Rancho Radio. 92.9. We are brought to you this morning by Pam Harris's P. Quail Realty on Southern in Rio Rancho. It is time to find out what is going on in the City of Vision with our mayor, fresh from the Mayor's Gala, Mayor Greg Hall. Good morning. Well, good morning, Derek, and good morning, everybody in Rio Rancho. Thank you once again for joining us this morning, sharing your Sunday morning with us here at 8 a.m. on KDSK. And I want to remind you, if you don't have time to listen to this whole broadcast, we're going to put it on a podcast that kind of rhymes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> put the broadcast on a podcast. And you can go out and find that on Spotify, but just put it in your Google search, Greg Hull, Maravier Rancho, and it'll come up a, a podcast. Add the name podcast in mm-hmm. there. And uh, you'll see it come up on Spotify, and you can click play and listen to this show, and we should have it uploaded later today. And just like KDSK, it's free to listen to on Spotify. Absolutely. Absolutely. Derek, it was a busy week, and I know last week we had to pre-record the show because it was 9-11, and so just to give a quick update, the event went really, really well. It was a beautiful morning sunrise event there at Vista Verde Memorial Park. We had a pretty good turnout, about 50, 60 people, I think it was, and that's a good turnout for a Sunday morning, and honestly, it's 7 a.m. in the morning. Yes. That's a, I was afraid that the turnout wouldn't be that good because people are getting up, they're getting ready for church. That's really early if you have kids, but it was a nice turnout, and I hope that going forward, we'll see that event continue to grow and grow and grow instead of dwindle. And, you know, I mentioned at the event that honestly showing up once a year to show our honor and respect for the people that passed away on 9-11 and along with the folks that were killed on 9-11, it's also some of the people that have died afterwards from the causes of inhaling the, the dust and the debris and the first responders that have developed health issues and so on and so forth. Well, but, and then you have the troops that went overseas to correct. keep these terrorists from coming over here again. Correct. So there was a lot of response to it. And so the death toll really didn't end on that day, but that was just the death toll for that day. Sure. And, you know, as I pointed out, as we move forward as a nation, there were a lot of heroes that acted very, very heroically on that day, rushing in to try to save lives. And one of the things that I reflected on was I really appreciate the folks that come out and give an hour of their time, maybe an hour and a half of their time once a year to remember and reflecting on the fact that the men and women that rushed into those towers gave their entire lives. Okay. So they weren't just showing up to do their work for an hour. They gave their entire lives to try to save people. So that's why it's so important for me to never forget because it really points to the sacrifice that our first responders, our military, all of the individuals that are out there trying to protect our communities and our nation and our freedoms, it really speaks to what they do and when they make that ultimate sacrifice. And one of the things that I pointed out, Derek, when you think about this and you really reflect on it, there's no training in the world that prepares you for the fact that you're going to run into a situation where you're going to die. You know, you think that you prepared for that. But really, at that point in time, I think it's more just this human instinct that kicks in. And these folks are so heroic that they just have to do it, no matter what the cost. And I don't think that they really process the cost and they just go right in. Yeah, well, you don't you don't think you're going to die. And, and there's your training is to help people, save people. Right. And so you well, everybody else is running from the building. They ran toward it. Right. And into it. Yeah. And, into and it. So a lot of heroic acts there. And I think that, as we say, never forget September 11, 
2001. And I appreciate everybody that showed up. And I know there were a lot of people that attended other ceremonies later in the day. As a matter of fact, after we got done with the one that we had here in Rio Rancho from seven to eight, Carrie and I did did church. And then when we got out of church, we headed down to Albuquerque because Albuquerque had a 12 o'clock ceremony. And we wanted to make sure that we showed our respects at the Albuquerque ceremony as well. And that one was nicely attended as well. So it's good to see people still showing up to these events and paying respect and remembrance. It's one of the things that I have yet to see, but it's something that I want to go and reflect upon. And I hear it's just overwhelming and very breathtaking is the uh, 9-11 Memorial at New York City. I've not seen that yet, but that's a kind of a new add to the bucket list, if you will, mm-hmm. that I've added when they got that completed. It was at that point in time I said, we got to go see that. I've been to the Murrow building in Oklahoma City after the, you know, the memorial that's there after the Timothy McVeigh bombing. And that's a very touching and overwhelming memorial as well. It really puts it all into perspective. So well thought out. And it's hard to look at knowing that so many people lost their lives due to a senseless act. But that being said, September 11th this year, I think it was a good display of remembrance. And I appreciate everybody that came out to, uh, Help us remember and reflect. Yeah. Now, for those of us uh, that travel from Unser to 528 on Northern, I understand there's some good news for us. Hey, this is just just us marching along and fixing all these roads. One of the roads that we know has been problematic for quite some time is Northern Boulevard. Most people will know this as you go from Unser East toward 528. Right. You go down the hill. You go down the hill and it's two lanes. Right. And you recently paved it because the water rushes through there and it was like driving on a dirt road. Correct. So it's a little better now, Correct. but it's still bottlenecks. It bottlenecks right there. If you're heading west, it bottlenecks at Fruta. And if you're heading east, it bottlenecks right after you get through the intersection. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of push all together. And a lot of people have asked me over the last nine years, when is that going to get widened to four lanes? Well, I have some good news. If you clearly, Derek, you saw the press release come yes. out. I'm going to go ahead and read the press release so people understand what's going on here. That way it gives you the most information. But uh, the city of Rio Rancho, in cooperation with the New Mexico Department of Transportation and the Federal Highway Administration, is holding an online public meeting Thursday, September 29th, 2022. So that's coming up here pretty quick to present information on the design and construction of the Northern Boulevard Corridor and to provide an opportunity for the public to comment and ask questions. The project is in the final design phase. So this is good. This is good. And we've been working on this for some time. You know, there's two roads that people ask me, when are we going to widen? When are we going to widen? When are we going to widen? And I know one is this Northern that we're talking about right now. And I guess the other one would be Unser, north of Northern as you go toward City Hall. Yes. So north of Cherry. Yeah. Yeah. As you get up to PDV. When is that going to get fixed? Yes. Don't have an answer for that one yet, but we're working on it. I I can tell you that we're working on it. You're aware of the problem. Exactly. And the purpose of the Northern Boulevard expansion, which is phase B project, and this is going from Acal Place to Broadmoor. So it's not just from Unser down east to Fruta. It's actually a little ways to the west. It starts up and through the hill, you know, as northern winds to the west and goes up between the two hillsides right. and, then, and then heads out west. So ACAL is, I'm going to say, somewhere between a quarter and half a mile 
west of Northern. To go into that housing track there. On, Correct. Yeah, on the left, on the south side. Correct. Yeah. So you're heading out Northern, you're heading west from Unser. It's going to be four lanes all the way out to Acal as well. Wow, they'll like that. Oh, yeah. So that gives you lots of room to get the four lanes all the way up there because there is more and more development starting to happen west of the city. That's mm-hmm. why we just recently finished Rainbow Road. Now, I don't know if you've had a chance to go out there and drive that, but that's like driving on glass. It's just smooth. Yeah, I understand they're having drag races out there. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I I do know that we've had some patrols out there and yeah, two and a half miles straight away, you tend to get some people that don't understand that you really shouldn't be using it as a drag strip, right? It's not safe and certainly don't condone that and would discourage it. Please follow the speed limits. But the reason is to accommodate future traffic demands, improve safety, provide for multimodal travel options, and correct physical deficiencies. Now, what does that mean? Well, correcting physical deficiencies would be putting driveways or entrances to businesses in the appropriate place can be that, or drainage. And as you know, going down that drainage has always been a huge problem on the south side of Northern as you head Mm -hmm. east down the hill. It just cuts down there. And then they'll probably do some alterations to the street entrances as you go down into, as you're heading east. Mm -hmm. There's some of the dirt roads that go down there, so they'll create some drainage for that. And they'll probably, most likely, this will include sidewalks and some other things. Once again, multimodal means sidewalks. Uh, It means bicycles, pedestrians, et cetera, et cetera. And so... Those things will be added to this, and it's a big project. Once again, I'm going to tell everybody, I apologize in advance, but I don't apologize in advance because we're fixing another road, and this just adds to the numerous, numerous roads that we've gotten fixed under my administration here in Rio Rancho. The tally, when we get done here in about two years, the tally is going to be close to 40 major road segments have been reconstructed since I took office. Well, since actually since 2016, because we didn't have the road bond in 2014, it took two years to get the road bond started. What's really helped us attract this federal money, Derek, is now that we have the road bond, we have a lot of matching dollars to throw at it. So we're able to get the matching dollars, put those dollars to use. And as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about another road project that's coming forward that we ended up getting some matching dollars for. So it really helped us out. But in this particular case, fiscal deficiencies, as we talked about, this will be accomplished by implementing an expansion of the roadway to four driving lanes, access improvements, that's access from the streets and mm-hmm. access from driveways, multimodal infrastructure with accessible routes for connectivity for pedestrians and bicyclists, as I just said, and water and sanitary sewer and drainage infrastructure improvements. So we're going to do the water lines, we're going yeah. to do the sewer lines, we're going to get all that fixed while the road's up. Yeah. You know me. Sure. Fix it while it's up. Well, and then if somebody, kind of like Broadmoor, if somebody wants to put something out there, the infrastructure's there. Correct. Right? And the public meeting will be held online via phone. City of Rio Rancho project team members will present and discuss the final design of the project. Introduction will begin at 5.30 p.m., followed by a presentation at 5.40 p.m. with questions and comments at 6 p.m. to 6.30. And to participate in this public meeting, you want to go to the city's website and grab the logon information so that you can be a part of the uh, public meeting. But this is exciting, Derek, because this is a big segment of road. We've needed this for a long time because I get stuck in that, too, and I use that. But I know one of the issues we talked about in the past was getting the use of the land on either side of the road. If the city doesn't own it, you got to buy it. 
Correct. We use eminent domain to purchase the right away. Correct. And that's one of the very few uses eminent domain can be used for in the state of New Mexico. It's acquiring land for that right away. Now, in this particular case, I think of that a lot of that right away has already been acquired and is in place. And that's what helped us qualify for some of these federal dollars that are coming in through the Federal Highway Administration and the New Mexico Department of Transportation. It's well, I look forward of, to that. Yeah, so you got that one coming online. And then speaking of federal dollars, we were able to grab another $3.5 million to help us complete the road projects that we have starting up this year, which is King Boulevard, which is going to be starting soon. And that's King Boulevard from Unser out to Wilpit. Mm-hmm. And I have... Either some good news or some bad news. Okay. Okay. Depending on how you you like this. Because of the design of the road and because of the things that have been engineered in there, the intersection of Wilpit and Unser will become a roundabout. Yeah. So for some people, they like that. For some people, they don't like that. But we do have the school traffic there and all of the traffic studies are pointing to the fact that a roundabout will keep things flowing a little bit more quickly and keep especially the school traffic that's going to make a right and a right. The roundabouts, there's a lot of data that su- you know suggests people are a lot more cautious going through roundabouts because it's not a familiar thing, right? right? So they slow down, they're paying attention a little bit more and kind of moving through a little more systematically. But that being said, we've been able to get three and a half million dollars from the federal government to help us with this road project, which frees up funds that we can now push out to other road projects because as we talked about a few weeks ago on these queued up road projects, they were all queued up pre-inflation. Now things cost more. Yeah. yeah, So, and nobody ever expected inflation and these costs to rocket the way they have. I mean, we typically give these projects a five to 10% margin, but we're coming in in 50% margins that, you know, when we were getting some of these estimates back with the cost of oil, where it's at, the labor markets, the cost of getting equipment and materials in, these things went way up. And as we talked about another road project that's coming forward, and I think you've noticed that we have begun is Riverside Drive. Yeah. The inflation report just came out for August and inflation isn't going down. And the the people that know these things are saying that it's not going to be short-lived. Right. So we're going to have to deal with it for a while. And that means higher cost on everything, and cities are not immune from that. All of these things impact the cost of the final product, no matter where you are, especially when you're dealing in anything transportation. And there's not much in this world that doesn't need transportation. Right. They make it somewhere else (laughs) and bring it here. Right. Right. Well, and New Mexico is big on that because I own my own shipping company for 12 years. And one of the things we did is we did a lot of outbound freight out of Albuquerque and semis come to Albuquerque full, but they leave empty. Okay. When you're paying those freight rates coming in, because really there's not a lot that's manufactured in the Albuquerque area. There's not a lot of manufacturing going on. Right. Uh, so the semi trucks are always looking for cargo to get out. The trains are looking for cargo it to get out. Make some money going the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To make some money. So if they don't know that they're coming in and they're going to get a load to haul back, They've got to increase their rate coming into Albuquerque, charge more. They've got to charge more to come into New Mexico because they've got to get compensated for the deadhead time going back. And, you know, you got to run those trucks and the fuel to run them and get to a nearest place where you might be able to pick up a load. Could be Denver. It could be Phoenix. It could be El Paso. It could be Dallas. It could be 
Amarillo, any of those areas, any of those cities that get out away from New Mexico where you find manufacturing, where they're looking to ship something. So you're looking at sometimes minimum fuel costs of not only coming in to Albuquerque, but getting out of Albuquerque. So these things are all, all things that factor in to the total overall picture of what things cost. And we've enjoyed great prices on all the roads that we've built up until now. And now we're seeing this increase. And once again, cities are not immune from these things, right? And so as we put these RFPs out there, we're starting to realize, wow, inflation is going to have a huge impact on what we're trying to accomplish here. We talk about Northern on the uh, Unser end there, where it uh, bottlenecks to two lanes. Are you still going to repave Northern from 528 to Rockaway? You were talking about starting that when the state finished 528. That's one of the projects that we've talked about. Yes, Northern Boulevard. We should be going out to RFP on that one very soon. And once we get the RFP back on that, we'll go ahead and award a contract and we'll get that under construction. But once again, we're really trying to time that in such a way that keeps it from being a double down on the 528 construction that's going on right now. And along that same line, Northern from 528 to Rockaway, that's going to get repaved. We also have Quantum, which goes from 528 over to Northern. Right. Okay. Kind of loops around. Yeah, it loops around. And there are a lot of businesses in there. And, and as the police you know, station is in there. The police station yeah. is in there. Independence High School is in there. And as you know, we have water lines underneath that. And we've had some sinkholes yeah. in that in that particular area. So it's time to get that road fixed so as well. A sinkhole? Does a sinkhole move it up on the priority list? Not necessarily. It's once again, it's more data driven. If a sinkhole moved it up on the priority list, it would have been paved two or three years ago. Hmm. We really look at data driven decisions because we can go in there and fix that water line, and we have a reasonable certainty that the patch is going to hold and it's going to be okay. You never know what's going to happen underground. Yeah. I mean, these pipes are underground. We scope them. We look at them. We try to see where they're at and what they're doing. But unfortunately, fixing a pipe is a reactive process. The pipe breaks, you go fix it. Mm-hmm. And you never know if it's going to be a main or a service line or what have you. We're constantly chasing these. And the city's at that age where oh, yeah. the pipes in the city are 50, 60 years old in some cases. Along here, Quantum, these are some of the older pipes that you're getting into here as you get up into this area. And so some of these pipes are due to be replaced. And then, of course, we had all of that infrastructure that was put in originally that was all that polybutylene and polyethylene piping that just didn't hold up. It didn't stand the test of time at all. And that's been a real pain for the city to deal with. And it's been extremely expensive. Oh, yeah. And I noticed when they fixed the pipe on my street, it seems like that may have been seeping for a while before it actually started bubbling up into the street because I noticed I have better water pressure now. Well, there you go. And that, and sometimes that's exactly what it is. But I will tell you, I think the folks in River's Edge that live anywhere near Riverside Drive from mm-hmm. start to finish, I think the whole area is going to realize some nicer water pressure because we're going to put in some new pressure relief valves. We're going to put in all new piping. We're going to put in the water in the sewer pipe. All that's going to be replaced while we have the road sure. up. So it's a complete package that's going to get done there on Riverside Drive. Riverside is one of those streets that we have had a sinkhole on. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you remember? Uh, by the fire station. Yeah, right by the fire station. And it actually ended up catching somebody that was in a stolen car. So, well, you know. that 
kind of worked in our favor. Right, right. <laughs> but still, you don't want that to school no, you, bus to you, fall you, in you there. You do not want that, and you do not want a fire engine. You know, you don't want an oh, ambulance yeah. or an engine or a ladder going into one of those holes. It would be extremely costly yeah. to the city. So we're really trying to get out and be proactive about how we get these things done. But once again, I remind everybody, there's over 400 miles of paved roads in Rio Rancho that need some sort of work or replacement. And this is a more than a billion dollar problem when you equate the roads and the water lines that need to be replaced together when you put those two expenses together. So it's going to take a while to get this done. We got a great start on it in 2016. And I know it's 2022 now, but you know, we're just six years later um, and we are trucking along. We're making great progress. I've talked to a lot of other city leaders throughout the country, really. And I've talked to them about some of their road projects and how they're getting stuff done. And when I tell them that in six years, we got 32 major road segments done, plus a lot of residential repair throughout the city, they're all astonished. They're like, how did you get all that done? You know, I said, we just, we just stayed focused, but it's still the same analogy that I give everybody. How do you eat an elephant? Okay. (laughs) One bite at a time, you know? So you're going to have to take this very systematic. It's got to be process oriented. You've got to follow data driven decisions and we are making tremendous progress. So with the roads that are coming forward, you've got King that's going to happen real soon. Riverside drive has already started Northern Boulevard on both the East and West sides is going to receive upgrades over the next couple of years. And I say over the next couple of years, Derek, because They'll probably start this year, but those are some of the longer projects. Probably going to take anywhere from six months to a year to complete those two projects. The one off of Unser is going to take the longest because there is no underlying infrastructure. Now, the one at 528 to Rockaway, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a little less problematic because the engineering's pretty much done on that. So that's a pull up the asphalt, put down new pipes, repave it. We'll probably preserve most of the curb and gutter in that project. So the engineering won't change that much. On the other side, from Unser down to Fruta, that's never been engineered. Yeah, you go from two lanes to four lanes, and you've got to do a lot of preparation and all that. Correct. So. There's going to be a ton of dirt work. There's going to be a lot of fortifying the uh, the sides of the road. There's probably going to be some retaining walls put up. A uh, lot of different things that are have, going to have to go in there to hold that dirt in place when it rains. And, you know, as you know, uh, it, it does rain. When it rains in Rio Rancho, it rains in Rio Rancho. Oh, yeah. We just, Wednesday... Man, the downpour that was happening on Wednesday. I mean, I love the rain. Oh, like, yeah. We need the water, but... It all came at once. You know, we've got 103 square miles of city, and less than 20% of the city's developed. So that means there's a lot of dirt to be moved around when it rains. And, yes. you know, it's and, and there's no way until a lot of this development occurs that you're going to stop that shifting mud and sand that happens when these arroyos start to flow. All right. I got to ask you, too, about uh, next Saturday... You're going to be out in the desert. Yes, rally in the desert. It is time. If you haven't signed up, please sign up. Please bring your pickup trucks. Please bring your rakes, your shovels, your gloves, your hat, your sunscreen. Come out and join me 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Saturday morning. Where? That's why I need you to call in. Call into Parks and Rec at 891-5015. And sign up a team because they will assign you a location. Ah. Okay, now. So we're not actually meeting you specifically. No, we're holding off on the quote unquote rally part. The first year we did it where we got everybody to come together and they got a sign location. Then we all, but you know, we all disbanded and went out from that location. At this point, 
we just want everybody to go out and round up these dump sites and get them into those dumpsters that are going to be staged all over the city. But if you do register a team, remember there are prizes and prize money to be won. But what you need to do is call the Parks and Rec because they will supply you with some water bottles and stuff like that, some uh, gloves, trash bags, etc. And then they'll also tell you where the roll-off dumpsters are so that you can fill those dumpsters up and then they will give you locations of trash sites. Ah, so, okay. we, so you're we, not just wandering around. Out yeah, you're not just wandering there. around. Although, then this is a very sad truth, though. Really, you could drive down just about any dirt road about, you you'll know, find d- it. you'll find it. It's yeah. And people that do this, don't worry about getting it too far off the road. It's usually right there by the side of the road. And maybe you've just got a group that you want to take out and clean an area. I know one year we cleaned the area along Linear Park that runs through Cabazon. There's another group that I know cleaned some of these areas around some of the businesses that were just kind of vacant fields and they're just picking up the trash and getting the trash up. But if you're cleaning along a roadway, I just please, please, please be careful because we don't want anybody to get hurt. But obviously, if you clean along roadways, we had a group that cleaned along Unser last year and they just kind of started, I think, at Northern and worked their way up to Cherry and just cleaned up all the trash that they could find from Northern to Cherry. And all of that is extremely helpful. Maybe there's an area in your neighborhood that you want to clean up, and that's great. The whole idea is keep Rio Rancho beautiful, and having this big rally in the desert cleanup helps us get this trash up and get it into the landfill where it belongs. All right. Very good. And so before I let you go, I got to ask you about this because I was kind of surprised the governor of New Mexico came to Rio Rancho. I was not aware that she was going to be here. I might have gone and interviewed her. And I know there's an election coming up, so I'm not trying to get people to take sides. But she said something was in the Observer, and, and they quoted her that she was talking about how homelessness and crime are up in Albuquerque and Rio Rancho. And that's not true in Rio Rancho. Well, I read that statement in the paper, and I was taken aback by it. And I'm a little disappointed because Rio Rancho is the number one safest city in the state with a population of over 20,000 people. That still stands. There's no data that points that Rio Rancho's homeless population is any more than it was five, six, seven, eight years ago. There's no data that really points to an increasing homeless situation. I think there's a lot of conversation about it, Derek. So people are kind of more, okay, is that person homeless or is this, you know, and there, there's people are more tuned in to what's going on around the various different neighborhoods. Well, Crime and homelessness is an issue in, in Albuquerque, and that's on the news day in and day out. It's something that you hear. Rio Rancho has really done extremely well in managing and, as a matter of fact, reducing total overall crime numbers. Now, categories will fluctuate, and you can find the unified crime reports that we do annually, and they're on the city's website. And there's actually an article that the Observer put out uh, about a year and a half ago about Rio Rancho's crime was down the what three percent during the pandemic, but if you went back on a five year deal, it was actually down almost fifteen percent over a five year period. So total overall crime has come down, and the population has gone up. And the population has gone up. So it's unfortunate that when you get out on the campaign trail and and you're trying to get a point across, and you lump one community with another community. You cannot put Rio Rancho and Albuquerque in the same narrative. End of story. Those are not comparable. And I don't normally do this, but I'll just say it. It was in the news. So I'm not saying something that everybody doesn't already know, Derek. 
Is it last year Albuquerque had a record number of homicides? This year they're on track to break that record, set another new record. But last year, well, Albuquerque had 120 homicides. Rio Rancho had one. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. You can't group that together. Right. And to say that crime is out of control or that crime is rampant and just being running amok in the streets in Rio Rancho is not fair to Rio Rancho. And it's not fair to our police officers that serve our great city and put their lives on the line each and every day to keep our city safe. So, as you know, I will always stand shoulder to shoulder with our with Rio Rancho Police Department and all police officers for that matter, because they have a dangerous job. They have a terribly difficult job. But there is definitely a very big difference between what you see happening in Albuquerque and Rio Rancho. And I was a little disappointed to read those comments from the governor that lumped Rio Rancho in saying that Rio Rancho issues were the same as Albuquerque with rampant crime and out of control homelessness, I think was what the quote was. It was disappointing to hear because it's not true. And I don't know what's in her head. Maybe she was given those statistics by somebody else. Doesn't matter. She said that. And uh, as a citizen here, uh, I was just kind of uh, uh, set back. And and I've had a few people call me about that. And I'm sure I'm going to get more calls because that article, I think, is in the paper today. I read it online. So I'm assuming Mm -hmm. I haven't read the paper yet this morning, but I'm assuming that article is going to be in the paper this morning as well. And it is disappointing because where there's a problem, you need to point it out and you need to work on fixing it. Where there's success, you need to support the success and say, hey, we want to support this success and keep this going and potentially use it as a model elsewhere that we can use throughout the state. And that's what most elected officials at see Rio Rancho will say is let's use Rio Rancho as the example of what we need to do to try to work to fix some of these problems. And so that being said, I just want to state it for the facts that Rio Rancho's overall crime is down. Now, you and I have talked about this before. I think our homicides from one year to the next went from one to two. Okay. So you could spin it and say Rio Rancho's homicides went up 100%. 100%. Going from one to two, you could say it's up 100%. But But you have to look at the numbers and what is the physical number. So it'd be easy to say... Well, homicides are up 100% Rio Rancho, and that would sound very shocking. Yeah. But the reality of that is it's one. And there's other things that happen, whether that's burglary, auto theft, autos being broken into. There's multiple different categories, and those will fluctuate up and down each year. But what you do is you take the aggregated number of total calls. You look at our response times. There's a lot of information in the reports that get put out about what are the priority one calls? The priority one calls are the most important ones. Something really bad is happening. Those are down in Rio Rancho. You look at the response times, the police are responding faster than ever before. Okay. And as we look at these various different things that are going on throughout the community, we're working with the nonprofits and we're working with the individuals that when we do find somebody that's in a situation where they're in a homeless situation, We try to address that immediately and try to work on a solution that benefits not only them, but the community as well, because that's what we do up here in Rio Rancho is we stand together as a community. We don't go out and try to divide each other or do this or do that. But that being said, I have to push back as the mayor of my city on a statement that is false and not based in any data, not any facts. Our crime numbers are down and that's the true fact.
and there's no data that would suggest that our homelessness is any more than it was nine years ago. So let me read. I've got it up here. I'll just read this one sentence uh, for our listeners from The Observer. She went on to talk about the issues that run rampant in both Rio Rancho and Albuquerque, saying that homelessness and crime are top of the list for her focus currently. Right. And I don't know what we mean by run rampant. And I'm always very careful about not comparing Rio Rancho to other cities, right. very specifically, because there's a very professional courtesy. What we're doing up here in Rio Rancho is a very different set of circumstances than what you're going to find in Albuquerque or Edgewood or the Bernalillo or Corrales. Different populations. E- and each yeah. one of them faces their own individual challenges and because of those challenges, they come up with the various different solutions to their individual problems and try to come up with those. So I'm always very careful, but in this particular case, I have to push back as politely as possible that the governor made a misstatement here and crime and homelessness is not running rampant in Rio Rancho. But I also don't want people taking those statements and those comments and running with them going, well, the governor said no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> because these things can get taken out of context oh, yes. at really, really quickly. And I know that for those that are picking up a newspaper or reading that online article right now, they're going, oh my gosh, the governor says crime's out of control in Rio Rancho. That creates a panic. And that's not fair to the citizens and it's not fair to the city leadership. It's not fair to our police and first responders that are out there doing amazing work to blanket us in under... I guess what I'd call a stump speech type setting, right? And that you're just, you're trying to make a point and you just kind of lump us in. I think if a city's doing a good job, they should be recognized for it. And if a city needs help, they need to be helped. That's it. And one of the things that I would just always encourage, no matter who the governor is, is that each of the cities need help in different ways, in different forms from law enforcement personnel to first responder personnel, uh, fire and, and ambulances, We need equipment, we need fire trucks, we need road fixed, we need infrastructure, we need the things that help us run our city on a day-to-day basis and improve the quality of life of our citizens. And we look to the state leadership to help with that at any turn that we can possibly get. But with that being said, Derek, I appreciate you bringing it up and I know you had to. And, you know, as a citizen, I think it's important. And and let me remind everybody here, you you and KDSK, you're a citizen and you're a Rio Rancho business. Right. Now, I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe somebody gave her some wrong information. If that's the case, or maybe she'd like to change that statement, we offer her, as always, free airtime. She's the governor. Come on and give her side of what she said, or maybe she'd like to correct that, whatever it is. But right. we're certainly happy to have her right. on as a guest here on KDSK. I talked to her four years ago when she ran for governor the first time. Once again, we'd like to be recognized for the work that we are getting done. And if there's anything we can do to help other communities achieve their goals in reducing crime, we're always available to help. So that being said, but Derek, hey, it has been great talking to you once again this morning. And I got to run off to church. So to everybody out there listening, don't forget, you can listen to this again on the uh, Marihol podcast on Spotify if you want to look that up. And uh, with that, I will say have a wonderful day and God bless.